Welcome to episode 648 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 648 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. Uh, John, you're, uh, you're in Criteria, are you? I am. Yeah. How's that going for you? It's heaving with people, I heard. Heaving with people? Yeah, because you don't want to go this time, but yeah. you, you, you drew the short straw. We did, and I've uh, been hitting the mountain bike park. I'm amazed that I remember that. We spoke about this like a month ago, mm-hmm. and I still remember this. Unbelievable. I really care, John. Unbelievable. Hit the mountain bike park. Hit the mountain bike park. I'll be out there swimming most days, just little short stuff. I can't remember if I've brought my bike or not. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's I think you did. You think I did? Yeah, I think you remembered to bring it. Yes. You should you should buy a bike that you just leave up there. We've got a couple of crappy bikes up there, but it's like a a road bike or something. I will retire a bike up there when I get my next bike. It's a good idea. Yep, there we go. So now it's good times in Kaiteri. Okay, so this week's show, we have an interview Sponsor, with... Sponsor, hold on. Oh, spon- oh, oh, oh um, I'm Talk is proudly bought... I'm all over the place. I'm Talk is proudly bought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. Name a few, Jombo. Simon, the... Simon Pace, the setter. As in the Pace setter. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Soren, Mr. Tasty Vrist... And Arnold Sleek Sulikov. Arnold Sleek himself. In this week's show, guys, so we are keeping up our theme of one new interview and one kind of historic interview. And today we're having the fastest ever age grouper at the Ironman World Championships. Yes. Dan Plews. And he's also a top coach. Mm-hmm. Brainiac, sports scientist. Sports scientist. Um, good guy. All around good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so John got on with him before Christmas. Uh, and then we're going to go up an old interview of Rachel Joyce. Yeah, from episode number 183. Now, we loved it, that interview because Rachel, Rachel listened to the show and she was a fan of the show. Yes. And we thought that was pretty shit hot, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. But also quite apt now because I'm not sure if she's going to be back racing or not. She's sort of... Had her child, and she came back. Didn't get to make it to Kona. She made it to Kona twenty six, twenty seventeen, I think. Or no, she just missed out. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm not sure. I'm not sure if she's sort of carrying on racing or not. I just thought there's a name. I'd like to get back on the show so we can reminisce about some of her awesome performances. Mm, okay. So uh, Rachel Joyce will be coming up later on the show. So let's get into it. Here's Dan Plews. Okay, everybody, we, we're sort of recapping a bit of last year, looking back at Kona, and we had some amazing performances on the elite side of things, but we also had a record-setting day for age groupers as well, and the man that cleaned out all the men uh, and set a massive new record that I think is going to be hard for anybody to beat in the future is Dan Plews. He swam 54-47, rode 4.32, and ran a 2.50 for an 8.24, which placed him... First in the age group overall and 22nd overall as well. So welcome back to the show, Dan. No, thank you. I think this is my um, third time. Third time I, on the show, I think. I know. I've never talked about my sporting performance. Though. I've just talked about science before. Well, that's what I thought. I thought we've talked about science before. I think we um, maybe we had Mahi Drysdale on when you were around oh, yeah. working with him as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I know. But no, I definitely want to talk about more your athletic prowess today. Yeah. So um, I guess you know a lot of people look at age groupers and they wonder where the hell they've come from. So give us a bit of background in terms 
terms of how far, I know you were involved in the British system, but maybe just tell us about how, how far you actually made it as, as a junior or, or your sort of background in the sport. Yeah, um, so I, I have been in the sport a very long time. I actually d- did my first swim run event when I was just nine years old. So, um, yeah, I've been definitely doing it a long time. I, I first competed internationally as a youth when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And I, um, yeah, so, and I won the, um, I was national junior, national youth champion for the British system. And I was at Loughborough University where I was um, on a scholarship there to be part of the kind of the elite team there. Um mm-hmm. That was in the days when um, like Will Clark was there, and there was a, um, a few of a few of um, guys. I don't think any of them are still racing. Well, I think Will's the only one who's still racing. Um, but yeah, but then after I finished my degree, I um, wasn't at the level that I wanted to be. And then I guess edu- education took over, and I did a master's in sports science, did some coaching, and um, and then I just kind of ticked along really. And I guess especially during my early years when I was doing my PhD and I was working, um, triathlon took a bit more of a backseat than the last. I guess it was, I think, really since, you know, the first time I, when I did Taupo in 2013 and I was, and I spoke to you, mm-hmm. um, you guys on the, on the podcast, I think that was kind of when I, first, that was my first Ironman. That's when I started getting the Ironman bug and I guess I've just refined my training and been building it ever since really. Nice. And what's your sort of your, your work life setup? Um, so we know you do some coaching. We know you do sports science. What's your sort of day to day look like? Yeah. So um, like my, that's the thing. My coaching is not really my. I don't really consider the coaching part of my main job. I do it because I quite enjoy helping people, and I really enjoy um, you know I enjoy seeing progress and trying to give back to people help them um, you know help them hit their own personal goals. But my main job is. One, I work for um, Canoe Racing New Zealand, where I oversee, um, where I help the coaches um, with the training program for the women's for the women's side of the kayak kayak program. So um, that's just involved with sprint, flat water kayaking, which is um, um, the Olympic event. And then the other other couple of parts are um, I work for AUT University, where I supervise masters and PhD students. And then I also do a bit of contract work for a company, um, a tech company called Performance Lab, and we're looking at building um, like an AI coaching platform for running at the moment. So, mm. um, so yeah, there my that, that's what keeps me busy during the week. Mm. So, is it sort of uh, are you sort of nine to five, or has it got quite a bit of flexibility in terms of doing your training? Um, depends on the day, really. Like when I'm the the days, some days when I'm doing the contract work, there's no real flexibility i can get out at lunchtime and train in the morning obviously but um and then some of the aut days i can i can they're a little bit more flexible but there's always something going on if it you know if i if i'm doing something early in the morning it means i'll be catching it up later at night so but yeah. essentially you're not you're not a full-time age grouper <laughs> no definitely not a full-time age grouper no if there, if there is such a thing well, the, yeah, there's uh, there's certainly a few full timers I know of. So, in terms in terms of your race, um, tell us how it went. You know, you won the race, which is which is awesome. Your times look amazing. Um, sort of talk us through your race and if it sort of went to plan and to, to your sort of expectations. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, definitely went to it went to plan. I think my main my main goal for the race day was I was just wanting to have a good marathon. Um, mm-hmm. So I always thought. You know, I can. I knew I was running really well leading in because I did some key sets in training that were 
that were the best I've ever done. And, you know, I've run 252 marathons in the past. So I knew I was in better run shape than that. Um, so I thought, oh, I really think the trick to having a good Ironman is uh, pulling out a good marathon. If you can do that, you'll generally always have a good race. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, the swim, swim, I was pretty cruisy. I kind of just um, cruised my way around. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't, I find that it's, you just get so caught up with the amount of people that there's no real point trying to force it. So I just got in a group and, um, off I went. And then on the bike, it was, um, a lot, very crazy at the start with a lot of people all over the place. And it was pretty much everything you could do not to draft really. Mm. Uh, And and then, um, and then gradually I just, um, kind of that group just started to splinter and windle away. I didn't, I don't think I was on the front quite a lot. Um, didn't really increase my power at all, but um, eventually people just disappeared. And then coming back into back into Kailua, there was just from those people, there was pretty much two of the, only two of the people left around me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was another group up the road though, um, but we 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 um, we pretty much were on the back of them going into Kailua, or very close to because because um, we had a, had a reasonably pretty solid last forty k. Yeah, so then they then got onto the run, um, got given the wrong shoe bag. So oh, no, that lost me a bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to open. I went went and put my shoes on and realised it wasn't my um, wasn't my gear. Yeah. Um. So I had to run back out and grab my own gear. Oh. Uh. And then and then that got the adrenaline going a little bit. So then I just um, settled into my uh, tried to settle into my pace as quickly as I could. Really, still ran the first. Um, one I found, ran the first kilometer in 3:45, so <laughs> a bit too quick. Yeah, uh, so had to calm myself down a bit, and then um, yeah, and then you know, I took the lead. It was quite good though because because you run along a lead here, and you can you can see the other age groupers coming back the other way, so you get kind of get a good gauge on how well people are running and how good people look. Um, yeah, and I saw and I and I saw every single one of them coming back the other way. And I didn't think any of them looked like they were running super, super good. There's one guy who was in my age group, um, who was second in my age group in the end. He looked pretty good, um, and I ended up catching him just going past Lava Java. Nice. So, um, so yeah, and then I took the lead just um, just as the just at the bottom of the gradual climb before the energy lab. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, fantastic. What, what about your numbers? You know, obviously that your times were sensational, and as were you know all the pros and and um, and age groupers across the board. So you know, did you were, were your numbers above where you'd, you'd thought they'd be? And, and so I guess were the conditions what made the day so fast, or were the performances you know not just of yourself but of the pros? You know, um, did everybody take it up a notch, or was it more the conditions you think that led to the really fast times? Oh, I mean, it's definitely. I mean, I think the conditions probably gave about ten minutes. Yeah, I would guess. I think they were probably ten minutes quicker than they than a normal year. Mm. Um, that would be that would be. That's what my feeling is. Because I, I, going in, I knew that I, I thought I could have a crack at Kyle Buckingham's age group record, but realistically, I really thought if I did break it, it might be by you know two three minutes, not mm. not twelve minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, because I, I know what I'm capable of, but my my bike power was ten watts higher than expected. Mm-hmm. But then my run was a lot faster than I expected. Mm. Um, yeah, so I mean, I was I I, I well I expected two fifty five at best to be honest with you, and then to mm. run a two fifty was, and the run was the run right. The run wasn't fast conditions. Exactly. The bike was fast conditions. Yeah. Um, the, and the swim wasn't fast conditions either. It was just a normal. I mean, I was swimming that 
I was swimming that sea lots and lots of times, and it was just a normal, a normal good day. It wasn't. I wouldn't say it was an exceptional day, and I wouldn't say it was a bad day. It's just a normal day. Yeah. So, but yeah, the bike there was, the bike was where the time was made. Fantastic. So, in terms of your preparation, you know, you um, you will have seen a lot of what you know Joe Average does, and and some very good age groupers do for their preparation. So, what do you think you did that was over and above um, what the good age groupers did that that maybe gave you a bit of diff, di, you know, a bit of a, a difference? You know, whether it be your sports science hat, whether it be you know uh, hot training, what was it you think that that gives you a, you know a really good edge and and enables you to have a good run as well in those conditions? Yeah, well, I would say I say all of the above. Really, I can't just. I think it's the combination of a lot of things that make a big difference. I don't think you can, and I can't really put my finger on one, one specific thing that I did that made it. But I, I did take the philosophy of leaving no stone unturned, and I literally I was very focused on the goal of winning the age group, and um, and I really went after every single micro detail that I could possibly think of, and that was from heat preparation through to diet through to my hrv through to the training program itself and through to aerodynamics on the bike through to equipment choices all those things i really paid a lot of attention to um and that's what makes the biggest difference but i guess you have to know where to look as well right Mm. are you still doing your i know when we saw you in kona i think it was maybe the year before or maybe two years before that you and um you, you and Paul Larson had your little uh, glucose meter readers on your arms yeah. you know, measuring it live. Are you still sort of going down the low-carb, high-fat path? And is that more for a lifestyle choice or do you feel it actually gives you a performance gain? Um, I am still, I've been, I'm still doing it and I have been doing it for um, since 2012. It's, you know, it's funny that you asked me the question because to me, you know, I would I would ask someone who's are you still doing the high carb choice? You know, to me it's just <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not it's not a lifestyle, it's not a diet. It's to me it's the way you should eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so it's not. I think um, and I and I will always eat this way because and I won't say I'm ketogenic, but I'm I always try and reduce the carbohydrates in in my diet um, because I just think it's you know, I, I respond the, be- the, be- the better, better to that. But in terms of the performance gains, um, 100%, I think it made a, a very big difference to, um, to my performance because you can't, like, and I've had a few podcast interviews and this, this question comes up a lot. And regardless of where you, whether you believe that the high fat diet or a high carb diet or whatever is, whatever works for endurance performance, um, you know, you can't deny that having a high fat oxidation is very, very beneficial for mm. events of the distance of Ironman when you're talking more than five hours, more than six hours. You know, you're basically you're dealing with substrate availability, so you're dealing with who can who can preserve carbohydrate in the muscle the best, because that, that person will eventually be the person who's going to win, mm. um, and. And that's what the low carbohydrate diet does: is it maximizes your fat oxidation. So there's other ways you can do it. You could, you know, train in a fasted state. You cannot have carbohydrate during key sessions. But for me, I like to have the best of both worlds, where I'm training, um, training in, improve my fat oxidation from a performance standpoint. But I'm also doing it from a health standpoint as well, where I'm, you know, I'm minimizing my um, blood glucose variability and levels during the day. So on race day though, you st- do you still uh, ingest carbohydrates through the day? Yes, yeah. Because so we wrote we wrote a paper in um, 
in sports medicine, and it's called um, Horses on the Same Courses. Um, different horses on the same courses, and we what we did is we we got some models of what we thought would be the highest levels of carbohydrate oxidation, the highest levels of fat oxidations, and we we took some of Lionel Sanders published data from the 2017 Ironman, and basically we said, you know, if your if your fat oxidation is at a maximal rate, you still can't meet the demands of that sort of work output, and that's and that's true across the board. Like if you're if you are a um, a lower performing or a much slower athlete, um, you can definitely go through an Ironman with um, with no carbohydrate with no carbohydrate input. But um, once you start getting to the higher levels, for a racing perspective, why wouldn't you be putting some carbohydrates in your system? You know, you, you you're doing a lot of other things on that day that's probably not the best for your body. So um, mm. you might as well, you know, that's when the performance side comes in. So you're maximizing the engine in training and then filling it up during competition. Nice. So in terms of your training, um, the, uh, people always love to ask uh, top performing athletes what a sort of typical week looks like. So do you, do you sort of have a typical week when you're in your sort of Kona build-up phase? And are there any particular key sessions that you know, you do that you that really make or you feel make a really big difference for you? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was just looking back at my training um, the other week. I, I'm very consistent, I think, from basically from – um, from about from when I started my build up after Ironman Taupo um, to Kona, I averaged 19 hours per week. You crack it's uh, good, yeah. As an as an average, so you know there was probably a few 25s in there and a few 15s in there and and what, but the average the average came out as that. Uh, and yeah, I mean my my weeks are very are very similar. I generally I will swim 20k a week. Yeah. Um, I'll try and keep my try and keep I'm not a very good. Well, yeah, I don't think my swimming is very good, so I struggle with the swimming. So I have to keep in the water quite a lot, and that'll be that will be five sessions per week. So that will be Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, big five k swims, and then like a two k and a three k one a bit quicker, and then one just technique yeah. uh, to keep keep the um, keep the feel for the water. And then I do a lot of. And then all my biking is pretty much intensity, really. Um, some sort of. Some not not necessarily super high intensity, but there's definitely some form of um, work within a bike workout. And I did everything. I rode indoors for every single session, apart from one session at the weekends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were and that I used um, and I did all that on rollers using Zwift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then my running, yeah, I was running about fifty to seventy k's a week. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah, quite a lot of running off the bike, um, and uh, yeah, and then the, then some some tempos and just a general bit of bit of VO two, a bit of tempo, and a bit of and some endurance, and that would be that would be it really. Nice. No no magic bullets. No no, it's just consistent hard work. Yeah yeah. Um, how hard is it for you to be motivated now? You know, you've obviously had a bit of time to reflect, a couple of months. Um, you know, yeah, when you're Win age group overall. You win your age group. Um, what, what what is the motivation at to go back and do do anything in terms of defending? You know, you can't go any higher than what you've been. So, what's what's your plan from here? Yeah, um, really, I don't have any motivation to go back. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, like I was, I just don't think. Um, I don't think defending an age group title is something that's really that's really worth you know it's a bit it's a bit questionable because I, I may as well race 
if I'm, I feel that I, if I go back, I would have to be racing in the pros. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, and I'm just not going to do that because one is I'm too old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there's, you know, I really believe if you want to do that kind of thing, you have to give your all to it. And that would mean giving up, um, work. And, you know, with that comes a lot of financial, um, instability and, you know, risk. And I just think it's a little bit, at my age, it's a little bit irresponsible to do that. So yeah, I kind of, it took me a while to, to kind of come to terms with it, but I think I'm definitely, um, to terms with that for, for, for now. Um, not to say I'm never ever going to do an Ironman again. I might do one at some point, but for the next few years, I'm just going to, um, focus on work and focus on the family and maybe do some more fun events like the um, some of these Brecker swim runs and certainly certainly motivated to keep fit. I'm still doing 10 to 12 hours per week of exercise. So mm-hmm. I say exercise. Don't use the word. Um, don't use the word training. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, any any plugs you want to get out there in terms of things you guys are doing, or particularly any? You mentioned a paper you you did there. Is there any any other research that you guys have done, or, or anything that you see out there at the moment that athletes should be uh, standing up and taking a bit of notice of? Um, so my, my main um, my main thing that I'm doing in research in terms of AUT at the moment is wearable resistance training. So um, what we're, I mean, it's actually the company called Exogen, Leela Exogen. They're one of the partners of Ironman, and it's it basically it's these um, weighted garments, but they're kind of, they're almost seamless. You wouldn't even know you're wearing them. So you're looking at weighting the, the limbs, be it um, arms, legs, whatever. So we're looking at, we've done some in running, done some in cycling, even some in swimming, and um, looking at some of the physiological changes um, and then the training benefits of, of using it. See, so... With the idea that for this, your standard age group who's short on time, if you've only got 30 minutes to play within your day, you could theoretically weight yourself up a little bit, go for a run with um, you know, 2% body mass around your calves and thighs and um, get a bit more bang for your buck in terms of the training effect. So that's, what, that's one of the things that we've got on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main, one of the main things I'm mostly excited about at the moment is I've just started a new company called endure iq Mm -hmm. and it's um the idea is so it's basically it's it's education for anything in long distance triathlon so one of the things that i've noticed that i get a hell of a lot is i just get so many questions from so many people all around the world on various topics whether it's hrv whether it's training in general and particularly on the low carbohydrate um performance so um, we set, set up this company that's basically it's um, online modules that people can um, do and um, and learn actually how to practically apply these things with athletes and athletes and on themselves. So aimed at those um, A type personalities who just want to to learn more, whether they're coaches, coaches or athletes. So mm, brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, so in terms of any of your athletes, any news there? I mean, Terenzo's bloody back tearing up, uh, tearing up the the races. So anything else happening with your athletes? We're we going to see any uh, world champions coming out of your stable this year. I hope so. Well, <laughs> I hope so. Well, who knows? Um, I mean, I always, I always think of, uh, I'm always behind the long term plan. Yeah. Um, so I've got my 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 pros are Jan Tim and Jan, Jan and Tim Van Berkel and Terenzo. So who knows? Hopefully, I mean they were pretty good years last year. Yeah. Um, apart from obviously with Terenzo with his accident, but I think his year still turned out to be pretty good. Mm. Um, next thing for T will be um, likely 
Ironman New Zealand, I would think, where mm. kind of a, still a little bit undecided undecided on on his schedule. But I think um, I do think he wants to go back and defend his defend his title. How the hell does he back up so many races? I mean, I know that he didn't do very well in um, Bahrain. He pulled out there. But, you know, in the past we've seen him doing, you know, maybe four races in six weeks. I mean, how does how does he actually manage to do that? Well, he's a bit of a freak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, I've never seen anyone recover quite like him. Um, and even when he's tired, his base is so great. I mean, people don't understand this guy – has been doing this since he was a junior. His base of training is phenomenally high. So even when he's tired, it means that the whole thing doesn't fall apart. And I think I always like the analogy of using like a cake. You know, he's if you think about the base of the cake is the is all the years and years of training and preparation, and then you've got the race performances, the icing. When it when he gets a little bit tired he's got so much support underneath from all of his years of training that it just doesn't fall apart i mean even even ironman Boston, for example his last hour of the bike was he was he was blown he, he had died yeah. um but yet he's still because he's got that much support underneath his system he still gets off and then runs a 250 marathon um now most people once it's gone on the end of the bike that's it the, the, there's no good marathon coming out but he's um but he 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 somehow's come out managed to do it and also like he, he i've never known i mean i spent um i spent like three weeks with him in in kona uh, we did this a big block and i've never seen anybody absorb and do the training like he does um and what what he can tolerate and handle is just phenomenal so when he goes and does the 70.3 races it's just like another training day for him really it's not you know he's he's at a different level compared to your average your average person so he will you know you can see him cross the line in an Ironman and he'll go for a recovery job yeah you know I'm, I know when I cross the line in an Ironman I'm in the medical tent for four hours <laughs> you and me <laughs> both you know? yeah. so uh, yeah like he's just um, it, but he takes he takes really good care of himself and I and I think like the 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 quality of someone going into a race is um, very important to the way you come out of it. So he's always going into it, you know, lots of massage, lots of physio, really takes care of himself, good diet. And um, and that means that what comes out the other end is generally uh, something that's quite good as well. It's, you know, I always think if you put if you put um, some mangled meat into a sausage press, it's just not going to come out in a very good state. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and you put something that's quite prime and ready is you're going to have something quite nice at the other side as well so um i think that makes a really big difference and like he like so before between um between western sydney and um and busso you know he had his physio with him the whole time and his physio is doing work on him two three times a day trying to get trying to get him round and that makes a huge difference yeah because I, I was um when i we, i was with um t and kona the physio was working on me two times a day and I've never recovered so much between training sessions. So um, all these little things make a big difference. Fantastic. Uh, well, you've done a fantastic job over there in, in Kona, so nice work and uh, love all your new little projects and uh, all the best for whatever whatever comes up next, whether it be swim running or come down and do my Sea to Sky Challenge down here in Christchurch in March. Great race. You'd love it. What, what's, what's the Sea to Sky Challenge? Well, it's just it's a 750-metre uh, swim. Last year we had some pretty big waves pumping in and then you climb up on the bike. It's uh, How high would you go? You go about 400 metres 
their elevation climb on the bike in 16k so it's just straight up straight up and then it's a split transition and then you have this amazing trail run with some uh, some pretty juicy hills and stairs so it's sprint distance um, oh. but amazing scenery i'll send you the info yeah that sounds awesome so I'm, I'm all up for the fun events at the moment so very good yeah it's awesome awesome no thanks for your time and uh and keep those kayakers going fast because they're kicking butt as well yeah no worries we'll do sponsor extreme endurance oh. remember the promo code i am talk 20 and also for our people in the states if you do order over a hundred dollars worth of product you do get free shipping so and, and what about those people who are around the world john what are the other options uh, you can go to dot uh, eu or dot co.uk and the promo code also works over there I'm not sure if they've got the free shipping option over there or not but anyway use the promo code i am talk 20 and you get 20 percent off uh, if you've got aches and pains you could try out their joint four product it's got four fast-acting natural ingredients for joint health. It's uh, got glucosamine and chondritin support for joint synovial fluid, cartilage and connective tissue, and boswellia and MSM provide anti-inflammatory properties. The unique formula has been helping to reduce discomfort in joints for 20 years. So if you, I should get Belinda some of these. She's, um, she's getting old. Oh, she's had a bad back oh, for a little while. Oh, she said that. She's not in her happy place what happened? at all. Well, she's not quite sure that's a thing. And it's not do this and you'll get it right. It's, has she tried the old click? Yeah, she's always clicking her back. No, but she's gone like to Stuart Craig. No, she hasn't been. I, I suggested the chiropractor. Goodness, that must have been about two or three weeks ago. <laughs> and because uh, I, I, I get bad backs, and I tell you what, chiropractor, like some people don't like them, works for me. Yeah, no, I have made that suggestion. hasn't hasn't sunk in yet. If we, somebody we, else suggests it we, to we you. Had a, we had an interview of a chiropractor on the show a while ago. Yep, Rob Green, spine tingler, and we got an, a, a vicious email from someone saying it's pseudoscience and all the rest of it. They were not happy that we had a chiropractor. Can't believe you're promoting chiropractor. And I was like, mate, calm down. Yeah. But it works for me. So, yeah, if you want to, again, there's all these little things. We, we sort of talked, I think, last week about immune boost. All these different little things you can do to help your overall health, keep that training consistency. And if you've got those aching joints that are really making you suffer, give Joint 4 a crack. It's only $33.95 US for a packet. Okay, it's extremeendurance.com. Okay, so we're going to put on an interview of Rachel Joyce right now. Okay, on the show today, we've Our got party buddy, party animal buddy, <laughs> the Joycenator. The Joycenator. I haven't partied until you party with the Joycenator. Rachel Joyce, who <laughs> finished uh, sixth place, and well, finished seventh, got bumped up to sixth place in Kona. Um, welcome along to the show, Rachel. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Do you, do you have a nickname, or should we just go with the Joycenator? Um, well, that's actually what my sister calls me, uh, but <laughs> you can call me the Joycenator. And what's your sister's name? Because we understand she listens to the show. Uh, she's a big fan, yeah. Katie. Katie Joyce. Hello, Katie. Hello, Katie. Okay, Rachel, <laughs> um, I mean, you're, you're of uh, British descent, and um, so I guess all the guys and girls in the, in the triathlon circles over there know a lot about you. Um, <clears throat> you know, for everybody else around the world, maybe just fill us in a little bit on your, your background sort of prior to getting into triathlon and, and when you got into triathlon. Um, yeah, sure. I was a swimmer by background. Um, kind of, I swam through school, um, kind of a national level. I kind of made finals, but never yeah. really kind of got much better than that. And then I um, took up triathlon in 2005, 
because I had got bored of swimming, really. Um, and I, I, a friend of mine pulled out of a half Ironman and I took her spot and uh, thought I'd give it a go. And I did pretty well. And um, after that, I kind of raced age group for a while and I qualified for the World 70.3 Championships um, in the first year in 2006. And kind of thought, right, I'll kind of really give that a go. And I won my age group. And I think I came 11th overall wow. in that. And um, then I kind of was thinking, well, I was working as a solicitor um, in London. I thought, well, if I, if I kind, of, kind of reduce my hours to three days a week, I'll, I'll see how, what I can do next. And, but then I was injured for two years, so I didn't actually race again until um, 2008. And... Um, I, I did UK 70.3 in June 2008 and I had a terrible race. Yeah. Um, uh, so then I actually did my first Ironman th- this time last year and did Florida nice. um, Ironman and uh, came came fifth. So nice. and I kind of progressed from there really. I then did South Africa. No, yeah, South Africa and I came third there. Then I did Lanzarote and came second. And okay. then I went to Hawaii. And... Um- so just in terms of your swimming background, I mean, just for guys that are maybe not so uh, swimmer-focused, what, what, what did you used to swim and what sort of times did you used to do? Uh, I was a sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I did the 50 metres freestyle and the 100 metres freestyle. And I, I probably, I think I did uh, kind of 28 flat for yeah. 53 and um, 59 for the 100. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, it was okay. It was nothing kind of groundbreaking yeah. it was all right what, what, what do you think it is that um that so many swimmers can come into triathlon and kind of be successful what is it that swimming stools in you that makes you a good triathlete um i think the the discipline of having to you know i, I was at school and i was kind of getting up at five o'clock and swimming an hour and a half before before school and then another hour and a half after school and uh you have to be i guess that teaches you the discipline of training and you everyone asks you know how do you swim just follow it you know it's really boring you I think you learn how to switch your brain off and you just Mm. kind of do it um and I think that's probably then when you get on a bike and you're actually seeing things and going places that actually seems quite easy compared to uh just swimming up and down a pool (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) And, yeah. and maybe just talk us through those um, injuries because I, I looked through your um, your background there and I saw that win at, at Clearwater and then and then there wasn't really much for the following sort of year and a half. So so what happened there and, and, and how did you deal with that and how did you get over whatever you had? Um, it was it was really a tough kind of two years because I'd kind of made this decision to take you know reduce my hours at work and thought okay let's let's go for it and then. Um, I, I got pretty fit just in time kind of for the 2007 season. And then um, I herniated a disc in my back. Nice. Uh, and I just had kind of real uh, sciatica, so kind of real pains in my legs for about uh, six months, I suppose. And then uh, I finally found quite a good surgeon who kind of sorted it out. And it was almost instant. Then I was kind of... Uh, back to training. Um, so then that takes me to the beginning of 2008. And then 
Um, I had a few, I think I was just trying to do too much. I was kind of really, I just really wanted to go for it. So I would kind of throw myself into training before I was probably really ready for it. So I kind of had a few, few niggles. Going into Kona, you know, you've obviously, you know, from 2008 onwards, you've kind of been progressing, you know, getting better and better and getting better places, really, you know, from your third in South Africa and your second in Lanzarote. Going into Kona, what were your expectations? You know, were you, were you surprised with your day or was that kind of what you were hoping for? Or, you know, what were you thinking going in? Um, I kind of, uh, I knew I'd been training really well kind of going, going into it. Um, I think... I kind of had a two-tiered uh, goal for going into it, and I thought if I got top 20, that would be good. Uh, but secretly, I really wanted top 10 because then people actually take notice of you. Um, I, I didn't have... I mean, even though I came second in Lanzarote, I, I was beaten. You know, it was there was a 20-minute gap between me and um, Bella, who won it. So I kind of thought I would have to have a pretty good day in order to get... Yeah. top 10 because Bella had got seventh I think last year um but I don't know I just I think I had I had a good day and I was fitter so it I got my a goal I suppose so, so talk us through your day I mean it looked you know if we talk through your splits here you had a 53 swim 510 on the bike and a 323 run maybe just talk us through your day and and, and especially because you're a first time in Kona, any things that sort of surprised you a little bit about the event? Um, the the swim start actually was it felt quite uh, civilized compared to some some Ironmans because there were only two hundred of us starting, and um, I just really enjoyed the swim. I kind of got into a nice group, and um, it, it seemed to work well. So when I came out and I was I saw 53 I thought okay that's that's a good start to the day and then um I kind of went got out onto the bike and um I was told I was in I think fifth position so I kind of did the out and back bit in town and I found that pretty hard work I was and that's where Chrissy kind of came past me there and I thought oh my god (laughs) she was gone um but then I just, as soon as I got onto the Queen K, I just thought, okay, I'd done a few time trials in the UK over the summer and I'd done a 100-mile time trial and I thought, at least it's sunny here because it had been pretty rainy and miserable <laughs> in the time trial. So I just kind of rode how I felt and, I mean, in retrospect, I've kind of looked back on the race and thought when people went past me, maybe I maybe I should have made more of an effort to stay with them. But I... um I, I kind of wanted to make sure I could run okay at the end, and I, you know, I've seen people blow up in previous years on the run. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just thought, okay, I'll get to Harvey, and then I'll start pushing it a bit harder back. And um, I just felt really good, and I kind of got to the last twenty miles, and I was still feeling really strong. So um, going into uh, to Kona, then I was like wow, I'm actually in fourth place. So I kind of uh, was feeling pretty excited. And then I thought, oh, I've got a marathon to run. So I kind of kept myself calm. And um, yeah, the run was, uh, I mean, the first 10 miles of the run are great. And, and then I hit Polani and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and I started walking, uh, which was a bit embarrassing because I think that's when uh, Marinda Carfrey. <laughs> Flew. She would have flown past you, man. She was flying, uh, wasn't she? 
Yeah, it was like she was doing a different distance. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was tough going along the the Queen K, but I I'd really struggled with the heat in South Africa, and so I, I kind of was much better prepared nutritionally and how to kind of keep hydrated. So I think it all passed in a bit of a blur, and I just kept thinking to myself, "Wow, I'm still in the top ten. Yeah. Keep going, keep going." And I think that that just uh, I mean, I didn't do a blinding run, but it was it was enough. Kind of on the run, you know, you you came off fifth, was it? So you came off fifth, and, and obviously a few people passed you. Were you kind of stressing when they'd passed you, or did you just kind of think, "No, just stick to my race"? Um, I just uh, I, I kind of just stuck to my race. I feel at the moment it, with Ironman, I'm not at a place where I'm kind of really racing the run, and. So even if someone passes me, I'm kind of sticking to what I know I can do. And hopefully that will change next year and I'll be able to kind of race it a bit more. But uh, I didn't let it phase me. I just thought, you know, I'm doing what I can do and, um, you know, hopefully that will be enough. So talk us through the finish line, you know, because you've obviously, it was probably a pretty amazing moment for you. Oh, yeah, I'd been uh, I'd been thinking about it for about the last four miles. So uh, I just was wanted to really lap it up and um yeah I just my mum and dad were on the finishing shoot so I was kind of high-fiving them and uh I think people must have thought I'd won it or something (laughs) (laughs) I was pretty happy I think you could say that (laughs) uh, we often get asked you know to ask pros what what they sort of fuel themselves with during the day I mean how how do you go about um fueling yourself and and did it work well for you on the day um yeah I use um I use science and sport gels, which I don't think uh, they're, mo- they're a UK based company and they, um, I think they're kind of highly involved with cycling. So what I did, I put kind of seven of their gels into a drinks bottle and I just kind of pace that out during the bike. And then yeah. I've got a couple of caffeine gels, which I, I take on the bike. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to the run, it's, really kind of alternating, making sure I was drinking at all the aid stations and then having a gel kind of whenever I could yeah. <laughs> face one, yeah. really. So around, um, so around about 10 gels on the bike and, and then basically just fluids on top of that? Uh, probably eight eight or nine gels on the bike and then and fluids uh, and then probably four gels on the run. Nice. Okay. The, the triathlon seems to be a, a big sport in the UK. Well, it's, it's obviously not soccer, but you know, for a second-tier sport, it seems to be growing, growing really strength to strength. Have you actually noticed much more attention, or has it opened doors for you? You know, with your success in Kona since Kona. Um, possibly a a little bit, not not hugely. Um, I think. Uh, I've, you know, hopefully I'll get a bit more sponsorship next year, and that's kind of what I'm working on at the moment. Yep. But I, I would say that because you know we've obviously got Chrissy from the UK, and yeah. that's yeah. really um, it's really helping to raise the profile of the sport. And this weekend, for instance, she won the Sportswoman the, the Sunday Time Sportswoman of the Year, and oh, really? I can't imagine a triathlete winning that. You know, it's normally it's athletics or uh, kind of much more mainstream sports. So I think you know, between us, it's <laughs> and 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 the success that kind of the short course girls and guys have had, it's it's starting to 
they kind of hit the mainstream consciousness, I suppose. So for you, is, is triathlon still more of a sort of a, a paid lifestyle rather than actually, you know, you're actually making you know, proper money? Like if you were working as a full-time solicitor, you know, is it still at this stage just um, a nice nice paid lifestyle? Uh, it's definitely, the, the, it's, it's hopefully will break even more next year. I've definitely kind of, I was working this time last year full-time, to make sure I could, you know, save some money to, to, to be able to train and race full time kind of over 2009. Hopefully this year I won't have to work so much and I can, you know, it's a fantastic lifestyle. And I, it, it uh, is crazy to think about it. It's crazy to think, you know, you're, you're a top 10 in, in the world in our sport and yeah. you know, you've got to, you've got to work part time to, yeah, it's a sad state of our sport. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully next year it'll change a bit. <laughs> what was the difference between you, you know, financially between um, getting seventh and then getting bumped up to sixth in terms of prize money? How much extra did you get for that? Do you know? Um, it's gross. It was two and a half thousand dollars. So yep. um, it'll be a bit less than that when they. Okay, so let's, let's be honest here. Were you stoked when you got bumped up? <laughs> <laughs> I was quite happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Goodbye. Buy Rebecca Key to drink at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get one of those freebies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so what, pretty... what are the plans Sorry. for 2000 and, uh, 2010? Um, I'm still finalising exactly what races I'm going to do, but um, obviously Hawaii next October. And I'll do, I think I'll do one other, one other Ironman. Um, and then... There's this. Have you heard of the this? Seen the press uh, releases on the new Abu Dhabi race? Yeah, yeah. I've got my eye on that one as well, um, and some seventy point threes. I kind of want to get some speed back, and I haven't really raced a seventy point three for a long time. So, um, why, why does the Abu Dhabi race appeal to you? Um, Money. Well, it's got, <laughs> uh, that's one point. <laughs> and like, um, You're a deep person. <laughs> I just think it's quite, you know, it's completely different distances, and the the swim and the bike legs really suit my strengths. And uh, it's a longer race, but the shorter run means it's not the equivalent of doing an Ironman. So you can, it's early season, you can kind of do that as a kind of a, a warm up, and then yeah. Right. It's, good, it's good to hear a pro thinking that, you know, because it'll be interesting. We'll talk about what kind of pros or how many pros will go, and uh, it's nice to see that it's going to attract some pretty good, a pretty good field. Yeah. And uh, tell us a bit about your sister, because she's listening to the show. We like to we like to keep. Uh, so she races as well, does she? Oh, we've lost you. She bought a. Bu- oh, oh, no, can no, you hear yeah. me? Yep, yep, no go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she she just started um, triathlon this year. She she bought a bike in April. And then did a half Ironman in August, oh, <laughs> and nice. next year she's doing an Ironman. So uh, she's not on the John Newsom three-year plan then. <laughs> no, she's not on the three-year plan. I, I got a sheepish call from her one Sunday morning saying, "Oh, I drank a bit too much. I think I've done something quite foolish." Uh, she'd, she'd entered Ironman Switzerland. Oh, but she was drunk. Nice. Yes, yeah. Nice. That's good commitment. Yes. That's good. Yeah. But she's she's getting the work in now. She's kind of every weekend. She's getting her long rides in, so. and not drinking so much, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's that's calmed down a bit now. As 
we always have uh, three questions we ask um, pro athletes uh, when, they're, when they're on the show. The first one's probably not so applicable for... Well, no, it is applicable. Wax or shave? Shave. <laughs> shave. <laughs> it's just a bit wrong when you ask a girl, but isn't it? We've committed to it. We've got to do it. You can't help but think the worst. What's, what's the other one? We do... Um... What, what would you do a marathon in? What do you think you do just a run marathon in? Fresh. Uh, I don't know. I did one in three hours like 10 years ago, so hopefully quite a lot quicker than that. What did Two... you, so you, you ran uh, what a 3.23 and what yeah. were your run splits and your other Ironman races? Right. They're all about the same. So maybe 2.50. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Cool, 250. Yeah. And what's the other one we do? Do you use uh, facial... Um, oh, of course you will. Facial, <laughs> facial moisturiser. No, no, the better question is, do you think men should use them? Uh, I think they should, yeah. yeah. I'm a, sorry, John. Thanks for Thanks. You're a wise woman. That's what I like about you. Uh, <laughs> and a party animal. That's right. So <laughs> if people want to find out more... Whoa, I've lost my earphones. Yep. Um, if people want to find out more about Rachel, you can you go to racheljoyce.me.uk and yep. she's got her blog and you can keep track of her And there. we'll have a link to that on www.imtalk.me this week. And what was the other thing oh, okay. I was going to say? Come on, Bevan, you say something. I've just got to go. Okay, well, good luck for the rest of the year, mate. We really, it was nice meeting you. She, one thing about right. Rachel is she's, she's someone who's always got a smile on her face, isn't she? And we've got a we've got a picture from the, the after party. That's uh, we'll be, put that on our website. That's going to be up this week. Okay. We'll email that through to you as well, so you can have it on your website as well. So thanks uh, for your time tonight, and good luck for the rest of the year. Yeah, thanks very much. Okay, John, so that's pretty much today's show done and dusted. If you are sponsors, Extreme Endurance, your lactic puffer, and our patrons. Name a few, Jumbo. We've got David D Squared Doughty. Nice. John the Mountain Snail Hancock, who you heard from last yep. week. He's and our water, run water champ. And Daniel Great Expectations Dickinson. Nice. Uh, if you want to get the show emailed to you, you just go dub 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 and talk with me. You can become a patron there as well. If you want coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. If you want to get my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. And you can email us at iamtalkpodcast.com. Jombo, your goss. I forgot to tell you about three weeks ago that um, Angry John came out at my most recent race. Oh, back it up. I had a serious confrontation with someone. Oh, really? So what happened? So, um, so you did the Christmas cracker? This is Christmas cracker. It was held back. Big just, race? Oh, you made good numbers. Had 170 odd. Nice. So it was good. Uh, it was held back before Christmas. And this knob. Can't name uh, names. No, I didn't get his name, but he, I was in the middle of uh, with all the races. Most of the races were underway. I was sort of briefing the little kids' race, the five to eight-year-olds. This guy comes storming over to me and uh, starts ripping into me, saying, I've got health and safety issues over there, there. And I'm like, mate, I'm in the middle of debate. Is this really – tell me tell me what's going on, because I'm about to start these kids in a kids' race, and it's reasonably important that I get it right. And he was telling me that our transition area went through a playground and I'd barricaded it off with cones and tape and there was nobody around. It was 8.30 in the morning. There was hardly, there was nobody yeah. playing in the playground. He'd come along with his grandkids and they had walked under the tape, which was coned off. It was taped off. They'd walked under the tape and almost got trampled by some people running into transition with their bikes. And so he was trying to tell me. Oh, so he wasn't actually a part of the race? No. Oh. He came over and he said, this is going to be on the front page of the paper. I'm not having this. And that got my back up. It, the issue... I kind of, 
it could have been done slightly better. I could have done a little bit better. Don't really think it was necessary, but health and safety these days, bullshit. You've got yep. to do so much stuff. Yep. So I could have done a little bit better. So did you fire up? I fired up. When, <laughs> Come as soon, on, you as, soon as, as when he said, this is going to be on the front page of the paper, I'm a community board member, I just lost it. And then... Yeah. So what so what, so what'd you say? And then I, I when, when I finally got rid of it... Then you turned around and all the kids he's, he's walking, No, he's walking away. And I just, what did I say? I said... Uh, you're just a fun police <laughs> and I think yeah, his back went up as well and uh, I went and found him later on but it, I, I, and I thought this could get a bit serious here not that I'm going to punch him out or anything but I, well, I was getting close I took uh, good old Andrew Lawrence and you know Andrew yeah. I said I need you to come and be my witness in case I uh, in case something comes back on me here I need you to be there to, to say this is actually what happened and I, I sort of smoothed it over. What a tool. Can't control his own grandkids not to go under a taped area. I just lost it. I'm still, I'm still pretty fired up. That was three weeks ago. <laughs> Anyhow, Bevan, it's the... Do you know what, it's a good thing to do in that situation is you get someone to film. Because mm. we had one time, we had a guy, this guy, we were doing our runs, you know. We good did. suggestion, Bevan. Very good suggestion. I should have done that. Yeah, totally. Because we had, we had a guy one time... We, we, we've got a big running group and, and on a Saturday morning we run on the streets and this guy walking his dog and he reckons one of our runners deliberately bumped him in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, so Mark, Mark Swanson is one of our runners. Lo- lovely guy. He's not an aggressive character at all. He might have hit the guy accidentally but he, mm-hmm. this guy was saying, mate, he, he, he lined me up and he charged me. And, 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 but this guy was a big unit. This guy, mm-hmm. the guy who was complaining. And he, he, he came back to the start and Mark, the guy who hadn't come back yet and he was waiting for him and he was just getting fired up. Yeah. And I'm like, mate, I'm, I'm guarantee, I'm sorry it's happened. Yeah. Um, I guarantee it was undeliberate. I'm, you know, you, the guy had a dog in the lead so he's probably just trying to avoid the dog in the lead. And, uh, and he, was, he could tell he was getting fired up and then Mark started yeah. coming. And I said, oh, look, mate, I'm just going to record all this so I, we can see what you do because you seem pretty fired up yeah. and I hate for this to go bad and it really just calmed him down. Yeah. yeah. Good it, idea. Yeah, so just say, okay, mate, let me get my camera out and so, mm. yeah so anyway I, I obviously have a more calm approach than you <laughs> it's just, I was getting a bit tired yeah. and he pushed well, me over the it's a stressful edge. moment anyway isn't it yeah, yeah. yeah. anyhow good show I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to get it off my chest okay here we go Iron Rust no, no. train hard train smart care, care car, car.